A number of years ago, I was pretty sick and uh, trying to pastor a church, and I was having difficulties with a malady called sarcoidosis, which you don't hear about unless you've been watching House. <laughs> and if you've been watching House in the beginning, that's, that was always the disease that they would come up with when nothing else fit, you know, and so that was kind of a, I kind of felt included then when that happened. I couldn't, I really couldn't find any energy. I, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't breathe, but apart from that, I was fine. And, and uh, I went through a deal where I was losing weight, really without uh, trying to, you know. That's not good, right? So I was losing weight, and, and I, I lost about 40 pounds in just a matter of a few weeks and, and uh, got to the place where I just couldn't hardly get up and move around and had some friends that would visit and some of my pastor friends and, and would make contact, but... It got to the place where I was so I was so weak I couldn't read, and um, I remember it was my old buddy Gene Campbell, big Gene Campbell, come to my house. His big gruff voice, and he said, "Well, he said, Ron, I'm going to read some scripture with you." I said, "That's great," and I didn't realize how precious it was. Until you're so weak, you can't do it on your own. I, I have, since that time, tried to very much, with all the other things I have to do, I've tried to become a man of the Word. I tried to read it all that I can to try to study it and understand it. And I'm just, I'm just a neophyte at it. I've got colleagues that are so much better than, than I am at it. But it doesn't keep me from doing my best. Did you bring your swords with you? Stand with me to honor the reading of the word, or as the Brits would say, be upstanding. Lisa, good to see you. Chapter 11, the book of Hebrews. Strange, this is a strange thing. It's called the epistle to the Hebrews, and it's really not. It's wrong on both counts. It's not an epistle, it actually is a sermon. And it's not written to the Hebrews, it's actually written to Christians who because of persecution of Christians are contemplating the possibility of maybe converting to Judaism. So the title alone, alone kind of throws us when we try to read it, but don't worry about that. I just needed to say it, I'm not sure why. Are you ready? May the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. Listen for the word of God. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If, if, if I had time, I'd want to just go back to the King James translation here because I like it here. Faith is the substance the undergirding, the foundation, the stuff on which something is built. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence, think of a courtroom here, of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. No, let me read it again. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors 
received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, and so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous. God himself giving approval to his gifts, he did. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken into, I'm sorry, was taken so that he did not experience death. And he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. Now listen, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May I pray with you before we talk about it? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we have already experienced this morning through the songs and the readings of your scriptures. We really right now stand before you with open eyes and open minds and open hearts to what you want to say to us. Help us, Lord, to allow you to have your way in our lives in this moment that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Yes, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. You may be seated. Well, if you read through the rest of the chapter, you have this, this list of who's who in the Old Testament and all the great things that they have done. It is these great people of faith that are, that are mentioned all the way through, what they accomplished. And when you look at all the things that they accomplished, it, it, it leaves me with two thoughts. Number one, wow. The stuff that they did, Moses, Abraham, go down the list, Enoch, all of them, all the amazing things that they were able to get done. But the second thought it leaves me with is, yikes. I don't ever see that happening in my life. I don't ever see me doing any of those great things. I, I doubt I could ever do it. It's so far from my experience. And these, these heroes of faith that should inspire us, should inspire you and should inspire me to be better, to do more for the Lord. And sometimes they do. But for many of us, it causes us to be a little disheartened. Especially when we look back over our lives, if we've been serving the Lord for any length of time. If we look back over our lives and we reflect on that and we think, what in the world have I done for Christ's sake? What, what has really come out of my life? What's really been accomplished? Have I, have I really been faithful? Has it made a difference in the world that I live in? If, has all the things that I've committed myself to, has it come to anything at all of meaning, of significance? Has it moved the world at all toward any kind of righteousness? Has it really done anything good? Or are all the good works that I've done kind of like what Charlie Brown says? That doing good works is kind of like wetting your pants in a dark suit. You have a warm feeling, but nobody notices, you know? <laughs> is that what it does? 
We look at our own life and wonder if we're ever going to be good enough to even begin to measure up with the kind of people that God mentions to us through this text. Are we ever going to, are we ever going to be great men or great women of, of faith and accomplishment? Is it ever going to happen in our lives? Or is our life simply going to be one of ongoing mediocrity? Paul Tillich one time said, most of us live and die without a history. And when we pass, there's no hole left in the world that isn't easily filled up. What about, what, what about my faith? What about my, my labor? What about my being a man of God, a person of God? What about that? And I look at all this, and I, 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 I sometimes get encouraged by these, by these examples, and a lot of times I just get discouraged. But are we missing something here? It isn't their accomplishments that are being lifted up here. It isn't the great things that they've done. It isn't the miracles that their lives have been part of. That's not what's been mentioned here. That's not what's being lifted out. What is being mentioned, what is really being focused on here, is not their great deeds that made them people of faith. It is their faith that enabled them to do any of those deeds. As a matter of fact, if I had time, and I don't, but if I had time, I'd want to talk about how these moments in their lives were just single moments when the rest of their life has really been without notice. It wasn't that all of a sudden they became faithful, it was, and then other times they weren't. It's that they were faithful all the way along, but there were those moments along the way in their faithfulness that God worked something in them and around them and through them that are noteworthy. But the real point of their life was not these accomplishments, not these great deeds. What was really important in this writing that we're, that we're looking at is that they were men and women of faith. No, it wasn't their great deeds that made them that. Over and again, the writer says it was by faith that they did all these things. By faith that they became these kinds of people. It was their faith that shaped them into becoming the people that they became. It was their faith that enabled them to do the things that on their own they would not have chosen to do and on their own they could not have been able to do. Faith is the point. Faith is the big deal here in this scripture, in this passage, but it's the big deal all the way through the scriptures. The Apostle Paul said that the just shall live by faith in Galatians. Not by works, but by faith. And we have a tendency to measure whether or not you're a good Christian by whether or not you keep the rules, right? Nod your little heads. Let me know you know where I am on that. We have a tendency to measure one's Christianity on the basis of behavioral norms that may or may not even be biblical. Be careful here. Preacher's gone meddling. I got to be careful. 
right? And, and, and sometimes we, we look at that, but here's what I want you to understand, that the real point of our life is not what we do, but what we believe, and what we believe should affect what we do. The, re, the scripture we just read said very clearly that without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't care how, how many things you've done in church. We don't do it anymore, but used to have in Sunday school that if you, had, if you got perfect attendance for a whole year, anybody remember this? You're old, aren't you? Huh? <laughs> that if you had perfect attendance for a whole year, you, you got a little pin. Am I right? And then for every year after that, that you had perfect attendance in Sunday school, they would give you a little banner that you could hook onto that pin, right? Friends, you could have banners that stretched all the way to your navel and still not be Christian, still not be a person of faith, just a person of behavior that looks like Christian, but not really Christian. Well, the Bible speaks about faith in a number of ways. Let me just kind of go through a quick list of some things, and there's so much more, but I'll just satisfy myself with these. Faith is frequently measured in quantitative terms. Jesus commends the centurion for his great faith. He chides his disciples, by contrast, for having little faith or no faith. He wonders if he's going to find any faith at all when he returns in Luke 18. And though the faith of some may be weak, there is always room for it to grow. And so the measures of faith, if you will. And even if faith is, comes in small doses, you can't measure its importance by its size. Genuine faith is potent stuff. It's not due to the power of the faith itself but it's due to the power of the God in whom we put our trust. Jesus tells the disciples that if they have faith the size of a mustard seed, they'll be able to move mountains or at least mulberry trees. Indeed, nothing will be impossible to them, he says. For a disciple with a mustard, size, mustard seed size faith Though the mustard is identified as the smallest of all the seeds they talk about. But it goes on with other descriptions. Faith is like an open door into a relationship with God. Mm. It is like a shield that protects, it's something that can be defended, it's something that can be grasped firmly. It's something that can be held in trust. It's something, best of all, that can be shared. We share faith. Martha and I have been married for over 40 years now. I think she's starting to get discouraged. <laughs> but, you know, there's just so many things you can do with a person. Especially when the person's not very adaptable, right? This is where you stay quiet and don't say anything, all right? We've been married for 40 years, and there have been times in our 
journey together that has been marvelous. When my faith was struggling, when my faith was weak and was not able to reach out and trust God, when her faith had to carry me along. Have you been there? And maybe even it may have gone the other way, although I doubt it. We share faith. That's why it's important that we not neglect the assembling together of ourselves because none of us can believe it all. None of us can believe it all the time. We need each other to share faith together. When we go through the rocky times as a church, we need each other. Amen? You're not encouraging me here. We need each other. Why? Because we believe that God is still God. We believe that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we'd ever ask or think, infinitely more than our wildest imaginations. We believe that when everybody else says no way, God says, let me show you something. It is something that can even be like a sailing vessel that's susceptible to shipwreck. The true believer is one that keeps the faith. The Bible talks about faith in so many ways, and I'm just beginning to scratch the surface. But scanning through the Bible, there are three really important ways that, about talking about faith that I need to share with you, and then I've got to hurry. For one, faith can be an affirmation of something that we believe. It is a body of understanding, a body of shared, of shared belief that we have together. There are some things we believe. Sometimes we might call that the Apostles' Creed. But things that we agree together that this is what we believe and we trust these words. We speak of the faith. So does the Bible. By the word faith can also mean simple trust in God or in the word of God. Abraham speaks, hears God speak, and he grabs his son and takes off to sacrifice him, not knowing what in the world's going to happen. It's simply trust in God. And in a similar way, faith sometimes becomes the equivalent of active obedience. John's faithing. I need something here. I'm going to use this. What is this? You sure about that? I'm not going to go into a philosophical argument of how you know it's a stool, okay? Let's just leave that alone. Let's Let's just agree together that it's a stool and that it has a purpose. Because what do you do with a stool? Most of the time, yeah. Some of you may have some other kinky ideas, but we'll leave it with that, all right? (laughs) So here's a stool, right? And we believe that this stool has the purpose of allowing you to rest and sit on it. I believe that. And that's one aspect of faith. But that's not saving faith. Because saving faith moves beyond 
an intellectual perception and understanding, intellectual assent, and it moves to an existential trust. If one comes to God, he must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him, all well and good. However, that doesn't complete the deal until I commit myself to him as both Savior and Lord, as both forgiver and leader of my life. Existential trust is part of faith. That's how John talks about faith. Faith is not something you know, it's something you do. He always uses the word faith in a verb form. We usually use the translation believing, but I kind of like another translation of it, and that is faithing. Faithing my way along. And other times, faith becomes this act of obedience, such as John's faithing or, or Noah building an ark. Can you imagine that process? Never seen an ark, has never seen rain. God says to Noah, I want you to go build an ark because I'm going to make it rain. God might as well say to you, I want you to build a hobbersmocker because I'm going to make a panaz. What? What are you talking about? Here's how you do it. Noah said, okay. Faithing. Faithing. Let me define faith. Faith is the confidence that whatever God has promised or commanded can be actualized in the here and now. That's not mine. I didn't come up with that. And it's not an, it's not an exhaustive definition. It talks about this business of faithing. It is this confidence that whatever God has promised or whatever God has commanded can be actualized in the here and now. But I've got to hurry because there's one thing more I want to say about this. And that is... Faith is not positive thinking. Faith, faith is, is more than that. And faith is not wishing for something. That's what I do when I get a catalog from Harbor Freight, <laughs> is wishing. Because I would want every tool in that catalog, even if I don't have a clue what I'd do with them. I like tools. I've got a bunch of tools, many of which I've never used. But I'm going to someday, I assure you. All right, maybe not, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I will. That's wishing. In a way, when I get one of those catalogs, I can hear Martha handing it to me and saying, no. <laughs> she hasn't done that yet, but I could hear it. Actually, I think she may have done that now that I think about it. <laughs> Faith is based not upon my wants, not upon my desires. 
It is not a function of what I can whip up on my own. Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. It is grounded in him and what he has done. If I'm going to pray a prayer that is in Jesus' name, I can stick the words in Jesus' name on the end of that prayer all day long and not make it one, not make it a prayer in Jesus' name. What makes a prayer a prayer in Jesus' name is when I pray the kind of prayer that Jesus would say, let me sign my name on that. I believe that too. And the only way I can do that is if I have a clear understanding of what God has promised or what God has commanded. Faith is grounded on revelation. That's good theology. That ugly word. You see, for us, the center of our faith is in what God has done in His Son, Jesus. Yet all of these who are in this list in chapter 11, though they were commended for their faith, I'm quoting now, did not receive what was promised since God has, had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. It's through his death on the cross that we have salvation. But what he has done on the cross we may believe but until salvation has not come to us. And sometimes we start and then for one reason or another, we jump up and try to finish the race by good works. But it is from faith to faith that our salvation is. I want us to sing a song. I don't know who's coming. Who, who's coming anyway? Just you? More? More than you, right? <laughs> Just you that's it? That's all I get? I know where I stand. I want to sing a song together. And uh, I really don't know what any of this means to you. I don't know where you are in your journey. It might be that you have been thinking about what Christ has done for you. but you've never allowed him to do that in you yet. It might be that you're one of those ones that started off pretty good, but now you're kind of running the show by yourself. And it's not going so well. It might be that you're the one that right now you're saying, you know, Ron, my faith has been struggling. I just really needed to hear this again. I need to put my confidence not in the things that I see, not in the things that I feel, not in the things that are going on around me. I need to focus my life on the God who has made promises and the God who has given me directions 
I need to let that control where I am in this journey. I need to get back on track. Well, I don't know how you want to respond. It's up to you. You you do whatever you want. You're going to anyway. But we have up front this altar. I kind of like this place. The altar is a place of grace. It's not a place of disgrace. Place of communication. It's not a place of condemnation. It's a place where God's very best spoke. Seek and find God's very best grace for their life. And it happens when they put their faith in Him. Stand with me as we sing, would you? You just mind the Lord. Yeah.